Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. People just can't get enough. So I get my Botox every four weeks. Okay. So I get fillers. I have my lips. I have four boobs. I've had a tummy tuck. Yeah. I mean, I can continue to go on. Yeah. I'm talking about cosmetic surgery. I mean, you all sleep on a mattress every night. Why not have a money lip? The industry took off in the 1960s when silicone, a new substance on the market, started being used for cosmetic surgeries. The 1980s saw a push for public awareness. That, paired with the economic boom of the decade, resulted in increased popularity of procedures like breast and buttock augmentation. Today, we see celebrities, including members of the Kardashian family and Cardi B, among those opening up about what work they've had done to their bodies. But it's like I might just get a little lipo, you know what I'm saying? Nah, I really don't got time to work out. Like I really, 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 really don't. But it's not always so glamorous. Take, for example, this woman from the American TV show Botched. My appointment was really early in the morning. And who found out her plastic surgeon wasn't actually a surgeon. A minivan that pulls up right next to me. This guy opens the door, falls out, and crawls over and starts pulling on my handle. And I notice that it's my doctor. Wait, wait, wait hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Your Doesn't doctor's a drug addict. The industry, also known as medical beauty, has taken roots across the world, including in Asia. Today, we're focusing on the city I am in now, Hong Kong. Compared to other cosmetic hubs in the region, like South Korea and Thailand, the city's medical beauty offerings are less regulated. In some cases, lax rules have resulted in traumatic complications and even death. I sat down with post-health reporter Emily Hung, who came across some of these tragic cases for her recent article that asks the question, why has it been so difficult to regulate medical beauty in Hong Kong? This is Inside China. I'm Brian Wood, senior video producer for The Post and guest host of this episode. So Emily, thanks for joining me. Um, so. What is the medical beauty industry and why is it so hard to define? There is no official definition of medical beauty services, but it is commonly understood as aesthetic treatments to improve your physical appearance, like procedures to smoothen wrinkles, remove unwanted hair, and reduce excess fat. So from the government's perspective, there are medical procedures, there are beauty procedures, but they have not defined what exactly are medical beauty procedures. There are 6,000 beauty parlors in Hong Kong, but how many of them provide these kinds of services? It is not clear how many provide medical beauty services because it is hard to count them when you do not have any definition or criteria for inclusion. However, the industry is apparently fast-growing. You see a lot of ads around you, and complaints over medical beauty services have been surging over the past few years. 
Okay, so before I get into what these complaints are about, I do have to know who is administering these services. Technically, four procedures must be performed by doctors or dentists, including injections, um, mechanical or chemical exfoliation of the skin below the epidermis, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, and dental bleaching. And the rest of the treatments could be performed by anyone. So um, normally, it's the beauticians at, the, at those beauty parlors. Okay, but are there others who perform these types of services who are not professionals? Yes, unfortunately, in recent years, we have seen a few such cases in which people developed complications after receiving injections from non-doctors, and some of them were using products from questionable sources. Those procedures were often performed in beauty parlors, hotel rooms, or dressed at home. In a recent article for the Post, you wrote that in the first nine months of 2023, the city's consumer council received 202 complaints. What were they about? They were mostly related to laser or intense pulse light treatments, we commonly call them IPL, and are followed by invasive treatments like injections and plastic surgery. So, can you give me any examples that you've come across in your reporting? Okay, so I spoke to a victim who is a forty-year-old lady, and she called herself Mary in the story. About three years ago, she did a collagen stimulator injection at her tier twelve. That is about、um, basically just underneath your eyes, and also a facelift procedure, and she paid forty-five thousand Hong Kong dollars for that.、Uh, how much is that in U.S. dollar? That is about fifty-seven、um, hundred U.S. dollars.、Um, she was largely happy with the procedures, but、uh, until six months ago, in May twenty twenty-three, she felt some hard lumps forming underneath her cheeks, one on the left and one on the right. And the worst thing is, they were of unequal size. So the left one is apparently more swollen than the right one. So her cheek became unequal size. She was very scared, and she went back to the well-known beauty chain where she did the treatments. But they denied responsibility and just prescribed her steroids. So Mary had to seek treatment on her own, and she visited a few specialists. But、uh, eventually, a plastic surgeon just told her that she had to live with the lumps, because the plastic surgeon said any surgery to remove the lumps would be very challenging, and it would leave her face scarred. It took her months to accept this, but now she is、um, basically mentally fine, and she is still looking for ways to like at least minimize the size of those lumps. So I'm reading here that in the last few months, 19 people fell ill with a bacterial infection after receiving fat removal injections at a chain in Lychee Kok. Four people were arrested in early November on suspicion of carrying out unlicensed medical practices. In a separate case in the same month, two women at another medical beauty parlor in Mong Kok were arrested for the same alleged offense, with over 700 customers receiving Botox jabs. So what's going on here? Is this normal? Unfortunately, this isn't uncommon. We see cases like this from time to time. Since Hong Kong's economy took off in the 1980s, the beauty industry has sustained exponential growth. It has been one of the fast-growing industries in the city and has achieved a preeminent position in Asia's beauty industry. The problem is the city lacks a regulatory system. Capable of running in the outlier cases, leading to physical trauma and sometimes death, we could see some efforts being made in the past decade following some fatal blunders, but、um, apparently they were not sufficient to protect the customers. So you're talking about a regulatory system. What exactly needs regulation? 
we can break this down into three areas: the people who should be allowed to administer these procedures, and where where could they conduct these procedures, and what products they are allowed to use, and with what labeling. Okay, then let's break this down. Let's start with who should be allowed. Okay, so there are about four hundred doctors doing aesthetic treatments in Hong Kong. They are mostly general practitioners, and the rest being specialists such as dermatologists and plastic surgeons. Is aesthetic medicine even recognized as a medical specialty? No, it is not. So doctors, when they want to provide these kind of services, they had to seek training on their own in Hong Kong or overseas. The training is usually in the form of degree programs,、um, fellowships, workshops, or academic seminars, and they are provided by universities,、um, professional groups, individual practitioners, or even manufacturers of aesthetic products. How common are these training programs? Training opportunities are very abundant, both in Hong Kong and overseas, but they are not structured. So it is not a medical specialty. So you do not need to do exams,、um, clinical training, research papers because it is not a specialty. And for beauticians who do not have a medical license in the first place, there is no structural training either. Are there any experts that you've spoken to in the field about the training? Yeah, one of my interviewees, Dr. Stephanie Lam, who is a plastic surgeon and also the founding president of the Hong Kong Medical Aesthetic Association, she said the city needs a more comprehensive training framework in the long run to guarantee the quality of the practitioners. But she said it's not easy because、um, who should have the authority to determine who qualifies, and how can we deal with the potential conflict of interest that could arise in this process? Okay, so now let's move to. Where these procedures should or should not take place.、Mm-hmm. You mentioned licensing as a concern. In the article that you wrote, you said that in 2018 the government enacted the Private Healthcare Facilities Ordinance, requiring beauty parlors performing medical procedures to get a daycare center or clinic license from the Department of Health. How's that done so far in regulating where these procedures can take place? So the Department of Health have largely completed the administration process for daycare center, but most beauty centers they should apply for a clinic license, and the government have not opened the applications for that. It said it was still in the process of establishing standards for regulating clinics, drafting relevant code of conduct, and also coordinating staffing arrangements. But that licensing regime was extremely important. Because people can immediately tell which ones are clinics and which ones are not, and it would be easier for the government to crack down on unlicensed practice. When disputes arise, consumers they could also trace the licensees easily. Because you know nowadays some beauty centers they will just refuse to review the name of the doctors to avoid taking responsibility. And the latest information we have learned is that the government will start the application process for clinics as soon as next year. So we will have to wait. Okay, so how about the products being used in the procedures? Do these need to be regulated as well? Yes, definitely. For drugs, there are already relevant legislations. Like for example, Botox is a kind of drug, and it should be registered with the government. But the rest of the product, like the collagen stimulator that Mary received and developed complications, it has not been subject to any kind of regulation in the city. So basically, for medical devices like these, there are no specific、um, legislation to regulate the manufacture, the import, export, and sale. 
um, manufacturers and importers, they could choose to list their medical devices with the authorities and be subject to a set of protocols. But that is entirely voluntary. Okay, so I did read something about in 2017, the Hong Kong government proposed a regulation for these products being used. So can you tell me more about that? Yes, they submitted a proposal to the Legislative Council, and they proposed to regulate medical devices, including those involved in cosmetic treatments. But uh, after much debate in the Council, the bill did not go before the LegCo as scheduled in 2019. So in the latest development, the government said the rules governing the devices will fall under the Hong Kong Center for Medical Products Regulation, and they will start the preparation work as soon as next year. And uh, one of the suppliers I spoke to said they actually welcome regulations because that could weed out the substandard ones. And the most important element would be a tracing and tracking system, which would allow the government to record the products immediately when there were some quality issues arise. Okay, so to wrap it all up, what are some key recommendations that you've heard from industry players? The industry players have a broad consensus on the need to regulate medical devices and licensing the service providers, which are technically in the pipeline. The government is doing that, but they are slightly divided over how those rules should be enforced. For example, I spoke to one of the industry rep of the beauty industry. He said the government should not treat their premises as healthcare facilities because they are not running a clinics. Their practitioners are not really doctors and nurses, not entirely at least. And their clients, they are not sick, they are not patients. So the whole process, they are not really treating a disease. So he believes instead they should have a separate regulatory mechanism instead of like following the rules like the clinics. However, the doctors I spoke to, they largely disagree because as long as medical procedures are being done, the premises, they should meet a clinic standard to better protect the clients. And uh, another recommendation I heard a lot is to provide a clear definition of what exactly medical beauty is or what medical procedures means. So that would provide a legal basis for new rules and avoid ambiguity. But the most important task that the government could do is definitely to enhance public education. If they cannot completely weed out unlicensed practices and unregistered drugs and devices at the moment, at least they could teach people that they should always have the injections done by doctors who should open the box in front of them, let them verify the product, and they should know when to seek medical attention to prevent delayed treatments. So how did you come across this story in the first place? I wanted to do this story about um, the Hong Kong beauty industry because uh, there was a bacterial infection cluster in November that affected 19 people. They uh, developed that infection after receiving a fat removal injection at a medical beauty chain. That was quite a serious case because of the magnitude. So I wanted to review all the uh, medical beauty blunders that happened in the past decade. So what have been done and how are they doing? Because, you know, in about 2012, there was a very serious case called the Outgroup case. Basically, the Medical Beauty Center did some kind of treatment and it ultimately left uh, one woman died and three other in really severe injuries. So after that, uh, the government introduced some sort of uh, rules and regulations to try to regulate the booming industry. So I think it is a good time to review what 
the government has done and whether they are sufficient to protect the customers. Because, you know, the demand is really rising. You see the ads around you, especially for ladies. Like many, they do want to improve their appearance, but do they know how to choose the right service, how to seek the right people to do those procedures for them? So, um, yeah, that's why I want to do the story. I want to ask about your source that we're calling Mary. How did you come across her? So basically, I spoke to a few plastic surgeons in Hong Kong because I thought if medical beauty procedures fail, you would need a specialist to fix it. I spoke to like three to four specialists to see if any of their patients was willing to speak to me. It was not easy because um, not many people were willing to revisit the trauma again. But um, as I spoke to those specialists, I found that most of them had experience treating those conditions, and it is not uncommon at all for victims to seek help from them. Some of them did that in Hong Kong, and some of them did the treatments in Taiwan, South Korea, or Thailand. And, you know, it is not easy for them to fly all the way back to pursue responsibilities. So you can see that there is really an urgent need to set up a more stringent regulatory framework to better protect the interests of those customers. Okay, so you said 2012 was when the city came in with regulations for the first time. Yes. That's the first time they decided to take this issue seriously. Yeah, the fatal blunder was actually a wake-up call. But the beauty industry goes back decades, right? Yep. So how has the system changed and why did it take so long for this wake-up call? I think a few decades ago, people were largely focusing on plastic surgery. But over the recent years, you could see that those kind of aesthetic treatments have become more and more simple, like injections. Some people would just like go to the clinic and take an injection of Botox during lunchtime. And there was nearly no recovery time needed. They could just go back to work after an hour. So when those procedures have become more and more simple and cheaper, more people will be attracted by those treatments. And you can see that uh, sometimes the government, they usually take a risk-based approach. That means when issues happen, they go to tackle it instead of really impose a very stringent regulatory framework in the first place. So sometimes it really takes some uh, blunders that really attract public attention for the government to act upon it. But uh, if we put that aside, we could see that like, just from the figures of the consumer councils, we received hundreds of complaints related to these services every year. Just that not all are fatal, and some could be treated, some are not that serious. But um, yeah, I guess it really takes some incidents for the government to really do something. And you know, it really takes time for laws to come into place. And there were all these uh, debates in the council and backlash from the beauty industry. So yeah, it takes time. That was Emily Hung. You can find more of her articles at scmp.com. I'm Brian Wood. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A new year is full of surprises. 
But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM. For a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM.